Our text today is found, Isaiah chapter 7, page 572, picking up the action in verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as the heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? He's like one of the worst kings, okay? Like in a race to the bottom, he would be in the Marianas Trench. See what I did there? I thought you'd like that. He's got God whispering into his ear, Hey, hey, I'm here. I want to be your friend. Just ask me for a sign. I'll show you. I'll say yes. Some of us might say, okay, well, why would God do that? Why wouldn't God just do the sign if he wants to do the sign? It's kind of like the whole idea of getting married, right? You get to a point where you're like, hey, I want this person, and this person wants me. We want to be married. And, and you, you need to ask. You need to ask. Will you marry me? If you don't ask, it doesn't happen. It doesn't matter how great it is. If you don't, you got to ask. And chances are, if you've done your homework and behaved in a way that is consistent with the ask, she'll say yes. God's like, I just want you to ask. If you ask me, I'll say yes. But you got to ask. I got to know that you want me. And in this weird turn of events, right, Ahaz stands on this ambiguous ground that he thinks is so secure. He says, I won't test God by asking. He, in essence, tests God by not asking. God wants to show Ahaz he will do something really cool, but Ahaz is like, nah, I can do this myself. I got this on my own. God extends a hand of friendship. And Ahaz acts, behaves, speaks like he doesn't want to be friends with God. How often do we do this? Take an encounter that God wants to have with us on a periodic basis. One might even argue a daily basis. I think you could press it further and say on an hourly basis. An encounter that God wants to have with us and say, no, I'm good. Nope, I don't see anything at all. Nope, I don't want to listen to the whisper. God says, I want to give you a sign. I want to show you that I want to do something cool in your life. Just ask for it. And we're like, nope. I'm comfortable at the bottom of the Mariana's Trench. The text goes on, repeating 13. And he said to them, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and, shall, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. It's all in the name, right? Emmanuel, with us God. God with us. As we think about the world's religions, okay, as you think about the way that, that people have attempted to understand or explain things that go on and, and, and all sorts of questions from creation to existence of individuals, 
There is something unique when it comes to the God that is revealed in nature and the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, if you were to compare the God that is revealed through the Old Testament and the New Testament to the rest of the world's religions, there is many distinctives, but this is a big one, a huge one, that God wants to be with his created order. This is one of the biggest ones. It it ushers in everything else, you might say. And I'm not saying that other world's religions don't make an honest stab at explaining things. It's just that the God that is revealed through nature, the Old Testament, and the New Testament is unique. The second you say that, you get a little pushback, and people might say, well, is it exclusive? How can you claim exclusivity? And and I'm like, "I I don't claim exclusivity. It's not because of what I say or think, but because of what Jesus said, there's some clues, right? When Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, that Jesus, Emmanuel, coming close in the history of people whose opinion and words are worth listening to, Jesus ranks really, really high for me. What does Emmanuel mean? Not the definition. That's simple. God with us. But what are the implications? Maybe that's a better word, right? Of a personal, relatable, knowable God. A a God who wants in every way, shape, or form to do life with us. As we understand this prophecy located in the book of Isaiah, whose name means God saves, it's all in the name. The the names are so incredibly important to God. As we understand this hope, which is the focus of our Sunday, the first Sunday in Advent, we have to understand that this first message, it was a long time coming, right? The, The first Advent season... I mean, if Ahaz reigns from 735 to 715 B.C. before Christ, okay? I mean, minimally, it's 715 years that the people have to wait for this to come true. That's a long time. That's longer than the United States of America has existed. It is interesting on the whole BCAD vibe, which was actually created in the 6th century by an Eastern monk. It's interesting to me that the whole world reckons time based on Jesus. Even the current little play games that we do, you know, BCE before the current era and the current era, BCE and CE, it still, it still marks, it still marks with Jesus. At any rate, a long time, a long wait hoping for a long time. Hope is, how does one keep hope alive when you have this uncertain weight? I mean, when you're in the midst of the soup, right? And, and, it's, and it's heavy and it's hard and it's difficult. I mean, how do you keep hope alive? And how do you even answer the question, what is hope in that? 
And there's theological answers, right? But then there's also pastoral answers, right? Because like if someone comes to you and they're in the middle of the soup, right? And you're like, um, wow, you're just going to have to wait a lot longer. It's kind of soul crushing. Like, well, you know, in the Old Testament, they had to wait at least 715 years, maybe 735. So you got between, you know, three United States of America's plus before you're going to get, I mean, it's kind of soul crushing, right? Theological answers can do that to us. Pastoral answers might be more along the lines of, I'm sorry you're in the soup. It's brutal. It's absolutely devastating. Let me sit with you. How does one keep hope alive when you have an uncertain weight? Hope is? My hope is in God. My hope is from God. But if I have to define hope, then I define hope as context. Hope for me is context. Hope provides a framework for experiencing my life. Hope, it allows me the space to understand that the good in my life, the good that exists, comes from God. And hope allows me the space to understand that the bad in my life or the hard in my life can be redeemed. Hope, as context, provides the necessary sense of it is not over yet in whatever I'm experiencing. And hope, as context, provides the life-giving sense that the best is yet to be. So hope is context. Hope is a savior. Hope is forgiveness. Again, this week, I proved my need for a savior and my need for forgiveness. Hope is life-changing. At times slowly, at times rapidly, my life, our lives changing to be more like Jesus. Hope is Emmanuel. And it makes me long for the day, I hope. In a few moments, Eric is going to provide thought and leadership, directing us to the authority of Jesus in our lives and to the book that is chiefly written with his story in mind. And I just need to emphasize that. No one that stands up here has authority over you. No one that stands up here has authority over me. The authority in our lives... Jesus Christ, the triune God, this book written with his story in mind. We are simply repeating, reminding what he said. Eric will provide thought and leadership directing us to the authority of Jesus. And we'll have a period of time of silence, of examine. Then there will be a corporate prayer asking for forgiveness. The words will be on the screen. We can say them together or you can pray them silently. The words find their basis in the greatest commandment that we are to love God and love neighbor as ourself. 
And then Eric will act as Jesus commanded in John 20, 23, and tell you about forgiveness of sins and that we can participate in the Lord's Supper. Mechanically, we invite you to use aisles two and four to move forward and aisles one, three, and five to move back to your seats. Please don't use aisle three to move forward. Please. As you walk forward, you can either choose to be served or self-serve. I like the idea, right, of, of, of taking the bread and placing it in your hand. I imagine, I imagine Jesus doing that for us, Jesus doing that to us. There will be a period of silence, and then the band will build and the vocals will enter. And we'll end with this song, appropriately titled, Emmanuel, Our Hope. Please pray with me. Father, we come to you today. And for some of us, we are in the soup. And it's a hard day. But our hope in you provides context for our lives. Meet our needs in a powerful way through your spirit, O oh great God. Allow us to understand the closeness and friendship and intimacy that you extend to us, that you want to be with us. Thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.